Good evening and welcome to this episode 31 of our From the Horse's Mouth podcast, where tonight we are discussing getting stretched for success. What does an equine physiotherapist do? Whether your horse is a leisure or performance horse, the therapeutic purpose of veterinary physiotherapy treatment is to promote musculoskeletal health and physiological well-being in order to allow for improved suppleness and extensibility of movement in all equine athletes. So tonight, thank you, Sasha Chellen, for joining us. Um, who's going to discuss with us all of the questions that we might have. I want to remind you that if you've just joined in, that you can leave your questions in the comment section. Sasha, thanks for coming to chat us. Pleasure, George. So, Sasha, do you want to lead off by telling us a little bit about yourself? And um, you're obviously an equestrian yourself and how you combine two of those passions. Yeah, so um, a junior, I was a 135 show jumper. And my parents kind of said to me, well, you can't ride horses for the rest of your life. So I decided I wanted to go and study physiotherapy. And um, yeah, once I qualified as a human physiotherapist, I then did a postgrad into animals, hence equine physiotherapist. Um, and so yeah. For now. Um, so I've been practicing now for actually um, it's 11 years now. Can you believe oh. it? Um, yeah, so I graduated in 2012 and pretty much did my postgrad straight away. And yeah, so I've been doing horses probably about nine years and humans 11 years. So horses must be significantly harder to do than people because as the vets also know, you don't have a patient that can always communicate with you as easily. Yeah, look, um, you get good at watching movement, watching like views. Um, I did watch your um, podcast with Sue Jackson and all her little cues on pain. And yeah, that's basically um, how we kind of work out what's wrong with them. And obviously lameness and subtle lamenesses come in handy um, when you're a physiotherapist because they don't often call you when the horse is crippled. But um, obviously, when there's a drop in performance, they're going to call you. And that's often the indicator, right? Is that there's just like performance. So, so that's the first cue for owners that something subclinical might bring. Yeah, look, um, the physio is generally cheaper than the vet. So owners tend to phone you, even in a crisis, um, as a first point of call, can you fix their horse? Um, because I think in the financial climate that we're in, um, owners are very cost conscious. Um, and so they tend to try and, and um, get the video to fix the horse maybe before the vet has a look at it. Um, sometimes it's just a drop in performance and sometimes the horse is really, really sore and you actually end up saying to them, look, you need to get a veterinarian involved um, and then come back to me at a later stage. And so how important is it to have a physio that can work well with your vet? I mean, do you have to work extensively with the other team members of managing a horse? No, technically, as physios under veterinary council, um, we oh, I didn't are, know that, really. Yeah, we are now under veterinary council. So I've 
decent. Um, we've now registered with Veterinary Council. And so under Veterinary Council rules, technically speaking, um, a physio in the equine industry, unlike with humans, is not a first-time practitioner. So technically speaking, you do need a referral from a veterinarian um, to work on horse. And um, oh. most of my vets have a like kind of like a loose... Um, kind of agreement with me. They kind of trust my judgment that I'm going to refer to them when and as needed. And um, I kind of carry on my work underneath them. So it's really, really important that you have a good working relationship with the whole team, not just the vet, the farrier, the saddle fitter, oh, everyone. I think it was yeah. really interesting. We spoke to a great international farrier a while ago called Stephen O'Grady. And he said that it's really important for there to be this holistic team and that no one's out there to beat anyone else up, but we are all hopefully working together and remembering that our, our ultimate patient is the horse and that it's for the best of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, something interesting that I kind of learned um, back when I was working in the hospital before I even started horses, um, the one nurse actually said to me, one day I think the doctor was fighting with the other doctor and she said guys you got to remember we're here for patients and if we are not doing good by our patient then actually we're failing as professionals and we need to stop bickering between one another and kind of have guard complexes and just be there for the patient and and that's basically what we need to do for the horse as the rider the owner the coach the farrier the physio the vet everyone so Sash that's maybe a good segue for us to discuss what kind of pathologies behaviors and conditions can be assisted by physiotherapy in horses so um, I think there's three areas you've got to look um, with physios um, there's all the preventative stuff um, so basically you know from a musculoskeletal point of view we look at um, body imbalances and, and stretching those out and um, kind of loosening up muscles that may cause a problem later down in the line because the horse can't use it the right side of its body or the right hind is not coming enough through. So that's the one area. And then the next area is stuff like kissing spine. We work, do a lot of rehab with kissing spine and sore backs and bad fitting saddles, um, necks, bad injections that have gone wrong and the horse has a big hematoma. Physios do a lot of work with that. Um, lymph drainage, so any type of swelling, um, we come in and we get all of that um, lymph moving and the swelling to kind of move off. Um, and then you've got to look at like a more of a rehab the down the line kind of injury, like a suspension where the horse has rested for a while. Um, and then we come in at a later stage and start with um, some shockwave or some exercise prescription. Um, I think that's one area that was severely underutilized in the equine. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Exercise. We, yeah. So the vet often give you your program of 10 minutes walk, one minute trot um, on a hard surface, and you kind of integrate that. But I think what people forget, especially when going back to competition, is that once the horse has started working in the arena, once the horse has gone back to the um, 
kind of doing some endurance work or whatever the horse was doing before, they kind of just leave you on your own. But you've got to keep rehabbing. If that horse was like an elementary dressage horse or an advanced dressage horse, you can't just start, go back straight to advanced. You've actually got to break down all those dressage movements or all the jumping techniques to get back to where you were. And that's that's where the physio comes in handy because we actually are able to isolate all those movements and say, like, start with this or start with that first um, in order that you don't go backwards or you don't re-injure the horse. And I think it's really, really underutilized. Absolutely. And I see there's there's quite a lot of, um, you know, from a, I remember how old I am, that, you know, you used to do box rest extensively with horses previously in rehab programs, and they've moved away from that completely now, where now this controlled movement is so essential to minimizing scar tissue and maximizing that. So I'm really glad to, to hear you say that. I think it's really interesting. Um, what, what are cues for owners who haven't got an obvious injury? And I'm talking more about behavior and for people who maybe haven't watched the Sue Dyson podcast. What are some of the cues for them that they should consider getting a physiotherapist to maybe come and have a look at their horse? Um, so you'll see often change in behavior when you're tacking up. I think it's really important that... Even though in this country um, we tend to have our grooms tack up, that you that you do actually go and have a squiz at what happens when your horse gets tacked up, what happens when the groom puts the saddle on, what what happens when you do up the girth? Does the horse put its ears back? Does it switch its tail? Does it not want to stand still properly? Um, and then really like subtle drop in performance is an indication for physio um, to. The other extreme where I, I had a horse today who I saw where the owner was like, he just doesn't want to move forward anymore. Um, and, yeah, that's not wanting to move forward or not being happy in, in any kind of work, um, I think, is an indication for us to get involved and, and see what's actually happening. I think it's really lovely. And um, I think Sue Dyson can obviously be partly credited with this. But this movement away from, oh, my horse is being naughty or it's being a jerk or it hates me or it's spiteful to going, this is an, an indicator that there's a problem that we have to have a look at. And, um, you know, I think always persevering slightly through an issue, but then ultimately having a relationship with a physical professional who can come and have a look at a horse is absolutely essential. So what are some of the treatments that physios offer horses? What does like a, a session look like? And I know that's, there's a, a wide variety. If you can just maybe run us through some of them, Sash. Um, so generally what happens is I come to your horse. Um, I'll have a quick palpation through your horse, have a quick feel of what's going on, um, and have a chat to you what's going, what's going on, what are you finding in the work. At this point, this is not the time to hide stuff from your therapist. I find a lot of people try and, like, catch you out well can you find the problem well yes i probably will find the problem three sessions down the line it'd be just easier if you told me exactly what's going on with the horse and give me as much information as possible um and then when you when you look at treatments there's a wide variety of treatments um from electrotherapy under the electrotherapy racket we have tens um braddock machine um 
you've got ultrasound underneath there. So ultrasound is really great for swellings and that kind of thing. And scar tissue. Could you take us through each of those and just very briefly discuss what what each machine would do? Okay, so um, if you're looking at shockwave, shockwave is like the new buzzword. Um, Shockwave is used for ligaments, um, missing spine, um, so like your conic suspensory ligaments, shockwave is great for that. So anything that is pretty much a ligament or soft um, tissue injury, that's chronic. Um, so like your kissing spine ligament, your suspensories, um, even an old blue tear that has a little bit of scar tissue in. And then um, we have radic. Now, Ferratic is um, quite an old machine. We've been using it for quite some time. Um, it helps loose muscles. It also can give you an indication of where the horse is tight um, because the pulse of the Ferratic machine actually slows down and the amplitude um, becomes smaller. So, yeah, it is, while it is a treatment tool that we use, it can also be a little bit of a diagnostic kind of that's okay. great. So you'll actually see a muscle's less reactive to phoretic if there's an issue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we've got um, ultrasound. Ultrasound we use, um, it's also an old modality we use on um, acute kind of injuries. So it's great on um, the horse's bump itself and has a new swelling. Um, the vet's given it an injection and has a hematoma now. Um, ultrasound is great for those kind of things. Um, it can break down a little bit of scar tissue, but we prefer now to use maybe like something like the shockwave machine. Um, then we have TENS. Um, I'm not a huge fan of TENS because I feel that it's very short-lived. Um, and a lot of owners actually do their own TENS work now. Some of the physios have trained owners to use the TENS machine. What is TENS? So TENS is um, those little sticky pads that you can pop on the horse um, and they kind of stimulate the, the muscle. You get different um, programs on the machine. They're really cheap machines. You've often seen them in um, the Verimark ad get some abs and they oh, like butterfly abs. Yeah, exactly. I remember asking my physio at the time, I said, why can't I just put that on my abs and sleep in it like every night? <laughs> You know, and then surely I'll just like in six weeks, I'll wake up with a six pack. And I'll never forget her saying to me, she said, if that worked, like people would be using it. I would be driving a Ferrari. It wouldn't yeah. be on very long. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I, personally, I'm not a huge fan of pins, but, you know, each their own. It has its place. Why would you so, use pins instead of a phoretic machine, Sash, out of interest? Um, so a phoretic machine is quite deep and some horses don't like that. So then you might opt for TENS. Um, TENS is also much safer for your owners to kind of use themselves. So if you want to train your owners to use them, um, as a phoretic machine, you can actually rupture muscles and, and do quite a lot of damage if you don't know what you're doing or tire muscle out um, completely if you don't know what you're doing with it. So um, TENS is a much safer Safer modality. Some of the horses don't like Fredic, um, and then you've got to use something else. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much your electrotherapy um, brackets, and then you've got your hands-on therapies. Um, so your massage, my fascial release. 
Um, my fashion release is um, a big craze word at the moment. You get these therapists that are my fashion release specialists. Well, physios have been doing my fashion release for as long as I can remember. So if you, if you have a physio, your physio is probably incorporating that into your session. You don't need to get a separate person to come do my fascial release. Um, but that's basically releasing all the connective tissue that runs in between the muscles. So we often use it in conjunction with massage. Um, and then you've got your mobilization techniques. And your mobilization um, is where we're actually getting the joint to move um, and loosening up all of those joints. So you'll often see a physio moving their hands, moving all the vertebrae down the horse's back, or um, you move the horse's neck um, and you are mobilizing that, that neck vertebrae. Um, knees, hocks, all of that, we can mobilize pretty much any joint. So. And that's mobilization. Um, and then you've got the um, K-tape. So you can K-tape horses um, and tape horses. Um, kinesic, is it kinesic tape or kinesiology yeah. tape? Okay. Same thing, same thing, yeah. So um, there are various tapes that you can use. So you can use the dynamic tape as well, which just stretches four directions instead of two directions. Um Interesting to note, FEI events, you are not allowed to tape the horse and work the horse in the warm-up arena or in competition. So you may tape the horse um, in the stable yard, but as soon as you have someone on the horse, the tape has to come off. So That's just a pretty good to... indicator that it's quite effective, I think. Yeah, look, um, FEI has got quite strict about quite a lot of the modalities. I'm sure we'll go through what we can and what we can't do at a later stage. But, um, yeah, the, the, it, it works great for swelling. Like tape, tape can bring down swelling really, really quick. And you can use it as a proprioceptive technique, so mean joint awareness. So you have some horses that are just a bit like sluggish to come through on the hind leg and you're struggling to strengthen up a certain muscle group. Um, it just gives them a little bit of awareness that they need to kind of use that muscle group. So you can use it in that regard. Um, and then obviously you can use it for a little bit of support for something that's injured and you just want to protect for a little bit, but you don't want the horse to stand and do no work. So, yeah. And the, the only other thing I'm interested to hear about is dry needling. Is dry needling still um, a popular? Yeah, dry needling is. Not many physios are actually qualified in it. Um, but it's a standalone speciality almost. Yeah, so you, so you, you actually have to go and um, do further training after your studies to, to do it. Um, so your average physio won't be doing dry needling. So just check that whoever is doing dry needling on your horse um, does have some sort of training in it. Because obviously it can also go quite wrong. Patient. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's very, very effective. Um, basically, how that works is you pop the muscle, uh, the needle into the muscle where the spasm is, and that causes a little bit of microtrauma, and you get a rush of blood flow there for healing, and you often get a little jump where the muscle releases, um, and you break down that spasm with the needle. So it works really well, and it works really well in sensitive horses that doesn't, they don't want a lot of hands-on therapy. Mm. Um, 
I, I'm trying to think where the, the best place is to slot this in. But, of course, any, any professional rider, I think, is listening to the treatments that you've mentioned, and they've had these treatments done to themselves. How yeah. important is the physio to work with for equestrian riders, for equestrian athletes themselves? I mean, it sounds like there's just an amazing variety of benefits that riders need to be aware of physically. Yeah, completely. So um, I work with a lot of riders. I treat a lot of riders and their horses. And it's it's quite interesting. The problems that they often have, their horses have. So um, it's it's an interesting dynamic to work with because sometimes you fix the rider and then you end up fixing the horse just mm. by fixing the rider. Um, and sometimes by fixing the rider, you actually help the horse along a little bit because now – you know, the rider's hip was jammed and now they, they can help give it a little bit more support with their leg or their aids are a little bit quicker. Um, and so the horse benefits. Um, and it's quite interesting treating both. Um, there are not that many physios that, that do both, but um, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. And I think it's really, really beneficial for, for both rider and horse. Um, you get a lot of broken riders. So many times I hear, Oh, my horse gets all the pampering sessions. I haven't seen a physio for months and months and months. Um, we tend to spend all our money on our horses and no money on ourselves. But sometimes we actually need to spend some money on ourselves in order to fix our horses. I think that's really, I mean, if you like you're just saying how important this live weight is. And I've got a small child. Anyone who's carried around a small child knows that it is carrying a, a screaming, kicking person as opposed to somebody who wants to be carried, is very different. So I can only imagine yeah. how it feels for the horses. So is it possible to find um, physios who creates like programs for the horse and for the rider? Yeah, so really interesting. Um, just before COVID, we were really lucky to have a physio from the UK out called Andy Thomas. And he developed or has developed a whole lot of screening stuff um, that we can do and I actually work with a lot of riders where we actually do a rider assessment and then um, we give them exercises on their horses because my riders don't like to do exercises <laughs> or on the ground they're really no. bad in the exercises no. on the ground yeah if you give them stuff to incorporate while they're doing their flat work the show jumpers or the dressage guys while they're doing their warm-ups um, they tend to be a lot more compliant um, and yeah, they tend to fix a lot of issues that their coaches have been screaming at them for months and months and months. Um, and often it's, it's not necessarily that they're not listening to their coach, it's just their body actually physically can't do it or they're compensating. And if they stop compensating and they put their leg in a position where their coach wants it, they're actually going to like fall off their horse or um, they feel unbalanced, unseated. And if you correct those balances and you give them a program, um, they actually do much better in their lessons and their coaching sessions. That makes sense. I think horses and riders similarly don't want to do the wrong thing. We'd love to do no. the right thing. We just need to sometimes be physically conditioned in order to do that. Yeah. Um, so, Sash, you said you mentioned the dry needling earlier on as one of these things. What are some of the things owners need to be aware of when choosing a physiotherapist? Yeah, it's a, it's a big problem that we've had now with council. They've kind of lumped 
all of our therapists um, into one lump sum category. And I often find um, owners um, think that they're having a physio come out, they're actually having a body worker come out, or they're having a um, a myofascial release specialist, um, and they're not actually having physio. So you've got to be really careful who you get out, that your person that you are getting out is qualified, um, that they are registered with their council, um, because then at least you have some recourse, God forbid something should go wrong. Um, and especially for like the high-end modalities like Shockwave, you can do a lot of damage if you're if you're not a credit an accredited person doing the modality. Um, so yeah, I think um, checking their counsel that your therapist is registered, they've done their homework that the person is qualified, I think is one thing. Um, and then you know trying to get a therapist that has a lot that's if they're a physio physiotherapist, they'll be trained in a lot of modalities. So they'll be able to give your horse not a one-stop treatment. They'll be able to tailor the treatment that best suits your horse and its needs. One horse is not similar to another horse. So you might need to do more soft tissue work on, on that horse or more electrotherapy on another, another horse or more stretching work on on another one. It just, it just depends. So getting someone that's... Um, qualify in quite a number of modalities is a good indication that they probably are a physiotherapist. I think it's also just um, sometimes helps, you know, not to be a jack of all trades, master of none, but having more, more tools to offer, make sure that you can really find the correct tool for uh, the appropriate pathology, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Can we, can we briefly discuss, and I know this is like asking you how long is a piece of string, but do you what is the optimal kind of physio treatment regimes that you would create for rehabilitating a horse optimizing a horse physically and then also for a competition horse and kind of what i'm looking for here sash is like how often should should each of these three horses be seeing a physiotherapist what kind of a role would you play there and i i would also like you just to maybe briefly talk about the role that owners have to play in the physical rehabilitation of these obviously the physio um drives it but that owners do need to do the work in between yeah so i think i think for acute injuries um if it is a where we are now stepping in in the acute injury whether it's a suspensory or whether um you know it's a kiss and spine case now um we we generally try and do once a week for a few few weeks that we just hold your hand a little bit that we do all our hands-on therapies before we just give you an exercise prescription we send you off on your way um so that's we normally do like maybe once a week for a couple of weeks and then we we taper off um like that um if you are looking at um a hack horse or you just you're doing low level competition low level i mean prelim novice dressage, um, 90 centimeter show jumping, a meter show jumping, um, you know, short endurance rides, um, hacking up, that kind of thing. I think getting your horse checked out once every two months or once every three months is a good indication. Um, and then your high-end level sport horses, um, my horses that I treat that are jumping in like the open levels, um, my high-end dressage horses, um, they get seen 
at least once a month, if not before every competition or after every competition. It just really depends on the horse. Some horses benefit um, from fear in between uh, a really build up to a competition, like tight training regime coming up to a competition, and then we treat them in between um, when they start tapering off just before the comp and they go to the show. And some horses need to be seen after the show and they, they really struggle after the show. And some horses, um, if it's a long show, actually get seen during the show. Um, but then again, you've got to tailor your physio sessions accordingly um, because I generally like to give tail owners, like, please give your horse um, a day off the next day or please mm. like lower the work the next day. Cause I mean, you know what you feel like when you go to the physio or the chiro or anything, you feel like terrible before you feel better, you know? So you don't want to be working them too hard. So if we do treat them through the show, we have to adjust our, our therapy sessions accordingly so that next day the horse actually feels good. And again, and I suppose it's important for the owners to communicate this effectively with you, you know, and to say my horse has to compete tomorrow. And then you might elect them to even not work on a horse, perhaps. Yeah, precisely. Um, I mean, during competition, I have a one rule. Um, if I haven't worked on your horse, I don't really want to be working on it because I don't know what I'm doing to it. And I don't want to, like, no. <laughs> cause you not to have a good show. The shows are so expensive. You've gone to the show and now you, you want to do well. And I, I sometimes think owners do too much during the show. Um, not Greg, uh, Greg Scott always always laughs at me when he, when he sees me at the shows and he goes, "Oh, are people cramming again? They're cramming doing last minute homework." Oh, <laughs> um, so so yeah, sometimes when you get to the shows too late, you should have been doing all of the stuff a week before, you know. Um, yeah, and then and then the last thing to kind of touch on in your previous question is that please your exercise physio gave you i mean there's a reason that we, we're giving you physio um, exercises and prescribing you all of this it's kind of like going to the doctor you pick up your script but you never go to the pharmacist and go and collect your meds or you never take your antibiotics um your exercises are actually your medicine oh i love that that's such a great way of looking at it i really enjoy that um sasha when it comes to shows what is competition legal besides what is suggested by you and I, again I'm aware that obviously horses are the ultimate variable so who knows you know one horse might benefit from seeing you and one other might not but I know that there was recently great panic around shockwave being illegal to be administered over a competition show can you tell us more about that yeah so um FEI have now put a ban on shockwave five days um, before competition. So you are not allowed to shockwave a horse five days before competition of any competition, whether it's an FEI competition or just your local show, because um, any local show runs under FEI rules in terms of those kinds of things. Um, and the reason for that um, is not because shockwave is bad or you know, people were panicking, like, oh, mm. it's a terrible modality, um, is basically shockwave irritates the area and causes, one of the causes of irritation is an analgesic effect. Um, 
And the FEI did not want horses to be shockwaved before a show with a low-grade injury, um, feel better with the shockwave because now they have this analgesic effect and they're feeling really great, but they've got this low-grade injury and then they go into competition and um, it's actually detrimental to them and they injure themselves in a catastrophe kind of way. So that's why they have banned it five days before competition to make sure that any analgesic effect that you're having as a secondary effect to the shockwave. That's not what shockwave actually does. It's a secondary effect of it. Um, that, that that's out of the horse's system and um, they can actually feel everything as they should be. Um, and any low-grade injury is not then masked during the show. So that's that's like, things like dry needling. Is that is that legal to do, or is it recommended, or is it not recommended? So dry needling, um, it is not allowed to do in secure stabling. Um, as far as I'm aware, you can still do dry needling through the show as long as it's not an FEI event. So FEI events. Um, only needles that are allowed to be put into the horse's skin are by the treating veterinarian. So no one else can put a needle into a horse's skin during that competition. Not and that's just basically, no, no. So the veterinarian on, on call, the show veterinarian, um, will do all your meal or any of those kind of supplements that need to be injected at the show. So you hand those into the... Um, the stewards and then um, you organize with the show veterinarian for all of that kind of stuff to be done. So, and, um, and when it yeah. comes to physio over a show period, um, you said you would rather not see a horse for the first time. Like, please, people shouldn't be phoning a physio if the show's tomorrow and trying to, you know, to catch things. Yeah, yeah look, um, I have a group of horses that I do see during shows, um, but I know all of them really, really well. I know exactly how they're going to react um, if I mobilize them. I know what they're going to do if I do electrotherapy on them. So if I phoretic them or pop a TENS machine on, I know exactly like how they're going to react to it. So um, I've actually got a list of horses that um, for – take a World Cup, um, they've got a day off um, normally on a Saturday. And so some of them who get like a little bit body sore, we actually see straight after competition on the Friday so that they have the whole of the Saturday to recover before they have to jump on the Sunday again. Um, and some horses are actually fine with it. And I can treat them like the day before the show. Um, I've got two horses that actually treat before competition. I give them a good stretch because they're really, really stiff. We call them the planks. Um, and they respond really, really well to it. But you don't really want to be treating a horse that you don't know how they're going to react to it. And they feel really, really terrible the next day. And you're trying to jump this poor animal that's now feeling really sorry for itself. Um, yeah. So my so takeaway is basically we should be creating a long-term relationship with a physiotherapist so that if you want to call on them during a show, you can, but they need to be able to, yeah. know and they need to know how it responds. Yeah. So, so my clients, I generally travel with them to the show. Um, if I can't travel with them to the show. 
um, I have a network of therapists and then basically what happens is I will phone that therapist and we will discuss from A to Z on what um, works well for them, how they respond, where I generally find the problems, what the riders generally find um, and, and how they should proceed. And then I hand my patient over to them so they can look after them during the show if they need anything. And at least then they had a full handover on everything. But getting a horse that you don't know anything about, it's, it's, it's quite hard to treat them during a show and know that they're going to be okay. Um, Sasha, you mentioned Tormeal earlier on. What are some supplements or at-home treatments or at-home therapies that you like that owners can safely use without too much alarm? Look, um, I am a great believer in Bima. I never thought I would be, but I've done a lot of research on um, like the Bima kind of products. Um, they relax the horses. So if you have an anxious horse, um, they relax them. They um, relax really. riders too. Yeah, no, they do. <laughs> I think if you relax, the horse is relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Bima, that, that is really, really safe to do. Um, has all its programs, it runs, you, it's FEI legal, it's great. You can carry on being your horse. Um, obviously, um, I'm a big believer in ice after competition. Um, quite like, the, you know, my big rugby players get into these ice baths. Yeah. <laughs> after, after, and how um, we keep coming back to these, I want to say like old fashioned remedies, you know? But, but I see yeah. there's, um, if, if anyone's into social media the way I'm in, there's like a big TikTok ice bath movement where people have been doing like 30-day ice bath challenges and tracking the, yeah. their wellness elements. And definitely for, for, for legs. And I think show jumpers have never gone away from ice and event riders. I think they've been yeah. committed the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I really, really like ice. Um, one thing, though, to note you FEI not legal to drop below zero. So any cryotherapy, so any ice therapy that is dropping below zero, you're not allowed to do five days before competition. So just a oh, heads up on that. Yeah. So but ice ice away, I think it's um you just gotta be careful that you're not burning the horse's skin. So um even like those big boots that they, they shove ice in, put in some water in with that. Um, so that it doesn't burn your horse's skin. Um, but yeah, big fever and ice. Um, look, there are so many um, kind of supplements and what should be using. I think you need to try and figure out as hard as it may be what works for your horse and what doesn't work for your horse. Um, and if it is, is really, really, really working or is it just making you feel better? Um, because the Dumbo these... effect. I think I think we're all here for it. We're all looking for a feather to hold on to that makes us feel like we can fly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, without going over too many brands, there, there are a ton of brands that have now come up with um, a whole bunch of powders you can put in their food for recovery. Um, you've got injectables that and make them looking... Sasha, and I don't know if, if you're the right person to answer this, instead of looking at like a brand name for a recovery product, 
what are elements of recovering a muscle? Like, should we be looking at basically like hydrating the horse, making sure it gets protein into it? Like, what are the elements of that? I always believe if um, your horse is fit, fitness is a big thing, um, that you are keeping the horse hydrated, so electrolytes, um, and that you are walking them, especially if you're at a way show, don't leave the horse in the box. Make sure that you are a good owner and you are walking them a lot, that they're getting a lot of movement, and that they have a really, really good quality diet. You shouldn't have to need too many other supplements to keep your horse happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you you spoke earlier on about owners who sometimes um, don't give you all the information. What are some of the other pet peeves that physiotherapists have about owners? And how can we be better owners? <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Um, I think yeah, so so communicating well with the therapist um is always key um letting them have all the information um if you feel the need to make your therapist sign an nda let them sign an nda let them talk to your team don't try and hide the team from them we need to work as a team and it's best when we're working as a team that we can communicate with one another and um look at scans look at x-rays together chat about that kind of thing. I have a few owners that, you know, always worried that if they sell the horse later on in the mm -hmm. down the line, that maybe the injury will come out. Um, you know, a good professional is not going to go around town telling everyone that your your horse has an injury. But um, being able to talk to your veterinarian at the extent of the injury and what's going on, or the farrier um, about changing maybe the shoes or changing the feet angles because now we've got a shoulder injury is really, really important. So being able to communicate with your whole team. Um, and I think listening to your therapist, like really, really, really try and listen to your therapist. Um, you know, yes, we need to work together and I need to listen to them, like as the riders. Um, I know that's always their pet peeve is that some professionals kind of, floats above their heads and kind of treat them as, um, you know, lack of a better word, idiots. Um, but, yeah, so we have to communicate together and um, yeah, if the rider can listen to you and, and do the warm-up and do the cool-down um, and do the stretches and do the homework, um, it works much better. Um, I do have a question here coming through, Sasha. You mentioned trawl meal. Someone says, uh, what is the ideal way to use trawl meal for your horse? Look, I'm not a vet, <laughs> so this is a little bit out of my scope of practice. But, um, yeah, so I do have some clients that do inject it, IV. Um, obviously, remember, you need the vet to do that. Um, you can, they can ingest it as well. So you can put it in a horse's food um, as well. So you can do either or. Um, you've got some people that just um, inject it uh, subcutaneously as well. Um, but I think the fastest route to do it is to get your vet to do it IV. And it's the most effective because route to get it around the body. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
how do you qualify to become an equine physiotherapist? You obviously mentioned that you had to go the, the human route first. What is the pathway yeah. like from, like, if you were speaking to a high school student, what do they need to do from this point on? Look, I think nowadays there's two routes to go and you really need to decide whether you want to do humans as well or whether you don't. Um, I didn't have that choice. Um, there is now a college offering um, a four-year four-year degree um, that you can do and, and then you just qualify on animal physiotherapy as a whole. Or you can go and do an undergrad um of a BC physiotherapy or, or um, a bachelor in physiotherapy at, um, I think there's five institutions that you can go and do that as a human physio and then do a postgrad into um, horses if you want. So yeah, I think those are the two routes that you can take. Um, yeah, I'm obviously biased. I think um, treating people has made me a better horse physio and treating horses has made me a better human physio. I think it's, it's lovely, especially when you're dealing with horses who the rider is such a massive, and I remember that Andy Thomas, it would actually be great to speak to him, that Andy Thomas um, series of clinics that he did. I mean, it was phenomenal. Like within, with, I, I have seldom seen something, kinesic taping is one of the other things out of interest, that you see a change within five minutes. You know, and I was yeah. fascinated to see the changes that made just in the rider not touching the horse, the effect that it had on the animal at the end of the day. So I think having having a foot in both is, I mean, I can't say that it's essential, but it's certainly very valuable. Yeah, look, I mean, um, Andy is, is, is phenomenal at what he does. And there are about four or five other therapists that I keep in touch with around the world that are doing like phenomenal things like what Andy's done. And, I really think sometimes when you're struggling to fix the horse, you sometimes need to actually outside the box and don't look at the horse, look at the rider, because mm. that's the only other influence the horse is having. Um, and, you know, the horse has been, you get those horses that have been to the vet, they've had the five-stage lameness workup done on them, the vet can't find anything, but this horse is still poor performing. Um, and then you need to you need to actually look at the rider. We we don't like to look at ourselves all the time. Uh, no, no. It's, but, I mean, isn't it just such a sport of introspection? You know, it's basically if anything's going wrong with your horse, it's your fault. Because you're either feeding it wrong, you're saddling it up wrong, you're handling it wrong. It's always our fault. It's really great. Yeah. Sash, yeah. um, <laughs> just to wind off, what you mentioned walking earlier on. You said, like, the owners have to walk and they have to do the exercises what are three things that every horse owner could argumentatively do tomorrow to start physically optimizing their horses? Everyone loves to talk about like carrot stretches. That was a big thing. And I think um, like we find that a lot of fun. I don't know how effective they are. Yeah, I think carrot stretches have their place. Um, you know, I, you kind of make the horse into a little bit of a trick pony. <laughs> they start doing the stretch before you even give them yeah. the carrot. <laughs> Um, but I think if looking looking at the way the sport is moving and, and and how we need to start changing things up, I think the one thing that mothers are really good at warming their horses up, but they're really terrible at cooling them down. 
And I think, yeah, I think we need to focus on cooling our horses down, especially in competition. I think it's really difficult, especially with our professionals, when you've got six horses at the show and three in the same class, and you're hopping from one horse to the next, and that poor horse just does not get put back in the horse box or the truck and waits to go home. Um, and yeah, the groom or you need to walk that horse for at least 10 minutes. Um, and even when, you, when you're working at home, you should be cooling your horse down. And, and that doesn't just mean walking them. Um, that means, you know, going from the canter to the trots back down into the walk as you've warmed up and, and taking your time and, and warming down all those muscles so that you don't have a problem tomorrow when they stiff um, because they haven't been cooled down properly or they have an injury. So I think that, that is one thing. Um, other thing is is um, just listening to your horse. I, I think Sue, Sue Dyson's thing um, has really, really kind of put blanket like really like highlighted what what we should be looking out for in our horses and and calling them professionals at the right time. The physio can't work miracles on your horse, and sometimes you actually do need to spend money on on the vet um, or the farrier. Um, so I think that's that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing is is um, checking your horse before you get on and bef- and oh, when you I get on. Mm. Yeah, checking them up and down and, and actually feeling the tendons um, mm. and feeling all the little bumps on them because then you're going to catch injuries much quicker. Mm. Um, you should know what your horse's back feels like. Um, and then, you know, it changes from day to day. I mean, you know... Oh yes, you know, two days now, um, my horse is being really reactive when I put my hand down its back. Maybe I need to get my saddle fitter out. And mm. when was the last time I got my saddle fitter out? Well, oh goodness, it's been a year, and I'm actually due. Yeah. So I think, I think like actually feeling your horses and running your hands down there and knowing what is normal for them and what's not normal. Um, I had had a client about um, two weeks ago. And walked into the stable and oh my goodness the leg was like so swollen and I actually said to her is this normal for your horse and she kind of got deer in headlights and didn't know how to answer me um and thank goodness groom was there yeah. and he was like yeah, yeah yeah she does this from time to time you know she's being in the box all day and the leg actually gets puffy so that's normal don't freak out on that no. Uh, yeah, Sasha, I think uh, you said it earlier on, we're so spoiled in South Africa with the wonderful grooms that we have and and they're so involved. You know, I think it's essential, though, for, for the riders to be more mindful of that. Um, and professional riders are often, I say that as myself, you know, it's often you arrive and the horse is tacked up at the mounting block and you don't even know what the boot's gone over on the leg. So being mindful yeah, of yeah. that, you know, and the top riders are like, I know Domini, for example, knows you could take any one of his horses out of the stable and he can look at the leg and go, no, that bump's been there for ever, you know, or no, that's yeah. new. But as you say, it's having that base of comparison that's so crucial. Yeah. yeah. Sasha, no, sorry. Um, and subtle, you often get like a really, really subtle swelling or something, subtle heat that's your first indication that there's a problem and an injury. And, you know, get, getting 
getting those sorted out as quick as possible yeah. is always keeping your rehab time. Um, and it, 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 it can really, really, really stop a major injury from happening. Yeah. Um, there's a, an international vet who um, called Hank Offerings, and I really loved, he said ages ago that when owners come to him and they say, their horse just isn't right. They don't know what it is. Because he said that's the first sign that there's a subclinical injury waiting to pop. And that's the time yeah. you hope you want to catch it. You know, you don't want it to progress or like work through it. Obviously, some things, you know, um, do, do have to be pushed through. Sasha, is there anything else that you would like to add to that? You've been, um, you're, you've been so knowledgeable and helpful. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think as, as, um, as owners, we, we really, I mean, if I think about what we're doing for our horses these days, sure, we've got lucky horses because our horses are really being looked after. Um, and yeah, we just need to continue doing it and, and being more aware and um, more there for the horse. That's, yeah, I think that's a take home message is that they, they are, you know, we really, really, really need to be aware of what's going on with them. But yeah, I think we're moving in the right direction. for them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I love that. Thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been really great chatting to you. And um, I'm sure we'll be speaking to you again at some point about uh, physiotherapy version two. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Such a pleasure. If you've just joined us, this was episode 31 of the South African Equestrian Federation's podcast from the horse's mouth, where we were very lucky to chat to Sasha Chellen, BSC Physiotherapy, about how you can get stretched for success. Please make sure to join us next week, Wednesday, again at 7 p.m. Were you stressed out?